to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Geeky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Drummy Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. Mr. Lee Price. Hello. Mrs. Laura Craven. Hello. Mr. Guy Hufford. Mm. And me, myself, and I, Mr. Ryan Parrish. Lee, what have we been up to since we last saw you in 2018? Oh, God. Um, so, the main thing is, for New Year, I went up to Leeds to go and visit some a friend of mine who lives up there, and she was having a big party uh, that uh, ultimately uh, devolved into just a massive sing-along at about 2am. I thought he was going to say something else. <laughs> no, no, no. He saw the New Year in style. <laughs> wasn't that kind of party, Guy, unfortunately. What, what were you singing along to? Oh, God. That's that was a few weeks ago. I'm gonna to have to remember now. Is it the Greatest uh, Showman? No, it's like no. a play thankfully, the land. Thankfully, no Greatest Showman stuff. Just sort of like folk tunes and stuff like that. Well, like uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Hello, darkness. Sadly, friend. sadly, no Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, that would have been good. Why do people not do Simon and Garfunkel in karaoke? That is like yeah. Yeah. because nobody wants to be depressed at karaoke. You're <laughs> on about nobody's See, depressed as Simon Garfunkel. Wasn't so much karaoke more than someone brought out a guitar because it was basically wow. a party full of musicians. There's always one, isn't there? <laughs> always one. Oh, yeah. Ex- well, I was the one person at the party who isn't a musician, so that <laughs> <laughs> like you just clap your hands. <laughs> You're vocals yeah. <laughs> actually not <laughs> tambourine um, maracas so you were the bez of the party then? yes i was the bez of the party yes. <laughs> uh, side note uh, since the um i'm bringing up the fact that the musicians the friend in question is alice nichols and you can find her album on Bandcamp. so i want to give her a bit of a plug there oh, did he did he ask us permission did he to spawn con too late. Is this what we're doing now? <laughs> Plugging people's music? Yes, I'm sure she's very good. Go listen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll put a link in the description. Yeah, yeah. Click on the link. He was, he was obviously asked to do that, though, wasn't yes. he? Like, I was not asked to do that. <laughs> Keith. Get off your phone. <laughs> it's like having a recalcitrant. But we, we've lost a teenager this week, and Keith's replaced him already. Sat there, leaning back on his phone. Well, we no ha- interest. We have to say what's happened to, to uh, Phil Little and Callan. Uh, Little Tugger. So, obviously, we had a Geeky Brummy uh, Christmas vacation. Uh, Boxing Day all went pear-shaped. Callan went missing. Uh, Phil was put under arrest for the disappearance. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, so we'll keep you updated yeah. if Callan returns or if Phil gets released from on bail. Just follow the hashtag for Little Tugger. <laughs> That's hashtag for L I L T U G G E R. That's what I was looking at on my phone. Was the hashtag <laughs> to see what was happening in the in the Little Tugger tape case files. The it sounds like a of Little Tugger. It sounds like a, a BBC One four part drama right there. Uh, Who would you do, get to star in that documentary? <clears throat> I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Little Tugger, of course. Yeah, it's more like the future Little Tugger recounting recounting the tale yeah. on his book tour. Who would we have as young Little Tugger? Oh, uh, I mean, Pinocchio is not available. I feel like he's so vain he'd want to play himself. <laughs> yeah, he could do that. It'd be good to do that. I don't think anybody <laughs> would want to go for that role. <laughs> no one's lining up for that one. Like, all right, we've cast Phil, we've cast the rest of the team, we've cast the detective. Anybody for young Callan Danes? No. 
Not yet. <laughs> anyway, Keith, what have you been up to? Absolutely nothing, uh, which I absolutely enjoyed uh, as a result. Uh, I didn't really do anything at all. Uh, you did the usual Christmas stuff, which is kind of, you know, food, opening presents, people coming round to indulge in some cake and uh, beverages. But really, I just had it, used it as a, an opportunity to have a rest. Cake and beverages? Yeah. Cake and beverage. Christmas cake. Is that cake as in like the uh, the day to day cake? No, no, no. <laughs> like a, a nice Victoria sponge and a can of Fanta. I dislike Victoria sponge uh, with a passion. What is your cake of choice? I, I like a, a, a hearty fruit cake. Lee? Something with substance. Oh, probably chocolate fudge cake. Laura. Uh, bourbon lace sticky toffee pudding. Ooh. Guy. Good pair of iced buns. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there, didn't I? Like, I don't know. Any cake is cake, right? And just like put it in front of my face. I'll eat it. I'm more of a trifle kind of guy. That's not even a cake. No, I know that I prefer trifle. It. It's got lady fingers in there. Oh god! <laughs> Stop! Stop! Before. Be- Let's 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 try and start this new new year of shows. We're not making Guy laugh at any any innuendo under the sun. Do you have to just get Guy to leave the room then? <laughs> we try. But... In a corner, giggling to himself. <laughs> so it was cake and pop, and any other interesting occurrences? No, no bus life journeys. No, I I still you... I st- I didn't buy a bus pass for the Christmas period because I wasn't going to use it, and I just stayed at home. I went did, to the did cinema. You use that? Did you use that money to buy uh, to buy your Christmas presents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a small <laughs> island off the coast of Costa Rica um, with my bus fare money. Um, and I went to the cinema a couple of times. I went to see Bumblebee and I went to see Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. You didn't go a couple of times. You went about fifty times because all I got on my Facebook feed was like Keith Bluefields at the cinema. Keith Bluefields at the cinema. <laughs> no, it was You're always. I was watching films. Uh, some of them were at the cinema. You went to not two all cinemas on one day. No, because this is this is with the benefit of social media. You see, you can just post whenever you feel like it. So it can be something from several days away. So you, you can make your life look really exciting. But you you did it in what in like you know, over the course of two weeks. Make your life look exciting for one day. Yeah, for one day. Were you really sat at home in your pants, just pretending like you were in the cinema? <laughs> no, I actually was at the cinema in my pants. Um, <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's getting hot in this room. <laughs> I did genuinely go to the cinema, but just didn't post about it until a day after. I've just got this mental image of you sat alone in an empty cinema, just wearing a pair of tighty whites with a big bowl of popcorn down. No, oh my God, we it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, also, the reason why I wasn't posting whilst I was in the cinema is because I adhere to the I adhere to the uh, the mm. golden rule of my phone is off when I am in the cinema. Did you have a tasty debrief? I did not. I did not have a tasty. Did you feel like having a tasty debrief? No. Were you instructed to have a tasty? I was in one of the cinemas, which made me wish that I'd gone to the other cinema that I did go to afterwards, but they weren't screening at the time I wanted. I can officially say that I'm going to see Tasty Debrief live on stage. So um, my my partner Laura, I bought her. Are you going to heckle him by saying Tasty Debrief? Of course I am. So like uh, we were going to see a play called True West with uh, Tasty Debrief from the Sydney Water Adverts and Jon Snow uh, in. And an interesting combination. Though. Yeah, not Jon Snow, the newsreader, Kit Harrington, obviously. So you're going to see a play with two of the worst actors of their generation. 
Pretty much, yeah. Okay. But I, obviously, the appeal was the fact that Tasty Debrief is in this thing. Because I really, when, when obviously during half time, when the curtain goes down, I really want to get a shout. Why do we go to the theatre? <laughs> it's called an interval, not half time. There you go, bro. <laughs> I saw a brilliant and, tweet over Christmas. Sorry, I've just got to interrupt it. He's like, imagine if they just like had it interrupted like a Beyonce concert with an American football game halfway through. Mm. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Beyonce fans would not be happy with that. <laughs> but it just it shows the ludicrousness of the superb owl show. You have to say superb owl because I have all right to that word. Oh, do they? Yes, you can't speak it, okay. you can't write it, you can't say it without authorization. I quite like the idea of a super owl show. Super owls. Yeah. Feels like a good documentary for Netflix. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether we should like adopt a more British version of it. So it's a super deep dessert dish, <laughs> um, which would be quite good. Because that would work as well, wouldn't it? So you ate cake, you drank pop, and you saw films. Yeah. I opened Christmas presents. It was, it was a glorious two weeks. Did what? you get everything that you wanted? I didn't particularly want anything, but what, I got what, what stuff that was cool. <laughs> what world do you live in? I had to look, my, par- my parents gave me a big bag of gifts. I had to dig through the bag to make sure that the gift, which I knew would be Westworld Season 2 on Blu-ray, was in there <laughs> judging by shape before Christmas so I could prepare myself for any inevitable disappointment or demands or tears that would be made to get at me last minute if I did not get it. Imagine if your parents had given you a HMV voucher for the equivalent value. It would have been stuck then, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, as a, as a gentleman of, of, of over half a, uh, a century of age, I've got to the point where if I don't get what I want for Christmas... I go and buy them for myself. Nah, if you, tell, if you tell people what you want, you have to ensure that you get that item. So, so reached... you tell people what you want yes. as well. Okay. <laughs> I think Keith's reached the sock event horizon when socks become a bad gift to going into a good gift. No, socks will never be a good gift. I don't know. I quite enjoy getting a pair of socks now because it means I don't have to go to the shop and buy socks. I got dinosaur socks. They were amazing. Yeah. But to be fair, I did get socks and I was quite glad of it because I needed new socks. It's the sock <laughs> event horizon. You hit that age. Where you go, socks are actually decent. You're all crazy. I think, I think unless Keith's been through the sock event horizon and returned. I never, I never, I've never gone through the sock horizon. I've never been a big clothes as gifts type person, really, because either that wrong style, the wrong shape. (laughs) Was there even a Christmas in the Middle Ages? You'd have just had a turnip, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah, I think that's what the Christmas of the Middle Ages was (laughs) turnips. I don't know, you might get a nice potato sack shawl. Yeah. <laughs> or you might get a case of dysentery or the bit, plague. Bit of <laughs> anyway, Guy, what have you been up to? Obviously, we're all talking about Christmas, aren't we? Because this is the first time we've all got together since Christmas. Um, so I, for the first time ever, didn't go to my mum and dad's house for Christmas. All the, uh, the arguments I would have had to endure. Um, all the, guy, cut your hair. Guy, wash your face. Guy, get a life. You know, like... Oh, Are you a character in Stop It and Tidy? I think so, yeah. My mum must think I am. So, um, anyway, um, I went to I went to my girlfriend Laura's house for Christmas. And um, I went to her granddad's house, basically. It was like a big family gathering, about like 25 people. It was immense. Like, the way the food was laid out was like a carvery. I've never seen anything like it. And I was like... Am I allowed to take one of those? And then, like, one of the sisters was like, yeah, that's what it's there for. It's kind of like, I'm not used to this. I'm just like a couple of potatoes and a little bit of turkey on a plate. And, like, that's literally being chucked at me across the room. Like, it was it was immense. But I witnessed the, the stupidest game 
I've ever been ever seen in my entire life. So I actually played the first round of it, but then when they played with about like fifteen people, I was I was out because it was stupid. So one of Laura's cousins turned around and went, I've got an idea for a game. So like some of you have to wear hats and some of you don't wear hats and you have to get your team onto the sofa, but you all sit on like different seats, so like hat, non hat, hat, non hat, and then there's one spare seat. And then you all get given a different name. So I'd say I'd be Lee, Keith would be Ryan. So you'd have to remember who that person's who that person's actual fake name is. So if I shouted out Ryan, Laura, you might move to the spare seat next to the side of me because you would be Ryan. This this seems like a gigantically pointless fact. Honestly, what? like so it was like so they were. So here was me thinking the vegan Christmas pudding instant would be the story. Of no, that. they they literally and they were move like this game went on for about an hour and a half of people just moving from seat to seat with no logic to this game ever getting there. And the, I was just uh, watching. And I was thinking like they're gonna get it. They're gonna get it. They're like two moves away from solving this game. And then one somebody just be like, uh. John, and then like the whole thing would just go screw up back to the start again. And there was a simple solution of Laura's middle sister Emily ended up with her own name. So none of nobody was calling her out. They were just leave, ignoring her altogether. So she sat on the same chair for about an hour with nobody moving her. It's kind of like if you just move Emily from seat to seat to seat, this game would have been solved in five minutes. There's nobody could comprehend the ease of this game. Never can comprehend this game. So it, I, yeah, I still struggle with explaining it. So it was musical chairs, but without music and just infinitely complex. Yeah, so yeah, you are given a, a, a different name. It's Poisson Distribution Chairs. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have to move to the empty chair next to the person who had the vacant chair next to them. I'd have just left the party. It was I didn't, like, honestly, it was like this was like eleven thirty, and not this game was still going on. I assume Laura's grandfather does not have Netflix. No. Did did Emily win this game? Because it sounds like she did. No, I think Emily was just bemused why she hadn't been moved for an hour. To be honest with you, to be it honest, sounds like a winner from this game. It sounds like a game where there are no winners. The, the best bit about it was one of, one of Laura's cousin's boyfriends was playing the game and. Uh, like, he was sat there and he was so confident. He was in like, I think I've solved this. And you can see genuinely the cogs work in his mind. Yet every time he thought he'd solved it, he was the one who threw the spell in the works and screwed <laughs> up and reset the whole game. I'm just wondering if Laura's granddad had to go round his neighbours asking for spare <laughs> chairs so he had enough chairs to make this game oh, work. Is it like that advert in like Amsterdam where you got the one flat and it's just full of chairs, like having a shower with chairs. <laughs> like, it's like They're all here, let's get the chairs out of everywhere under the sun. I mean, somehow this game does work, but it's the most bizarre thing I've ever come across. And the fact they all endured it for an hour and a half, I don't know what that says about them. I think I'd prefer a nice game of Family Fortunes, the Game of Life, Monopoly. Even Monopoly sounds less stressful than this game. I I was actually visibly stressed watching them move from seat to seat because I was I'd worked it out and I knew what moves they needed to make, and they were just watching them just fluff it up. Well, the next so time they play this game, you need to film it, and we'll do it on time lapse. Nobody's, play, nobody's so playing this game again. <laughs> you weren't actually playing. No, I decided to sit out okay. this round. So were you just waiting for a different group of people to go to the food so you could join them because they didn't know you <laughs> and you could get another bunch of food without anybody no. wondering why is Guy gone for the third time? I, I think Guy just slowly moved down the carvery over the hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I waited towards the end to get my carvery, to be fair. But there was an incident with a, a Christmas did, pudding. Did you do the grazing? Did you do the full graze at the end? Everybody else has been... 
I should take the spoils. Not really, no, because I kind of just sat in it sweets, to be honest with you, and then uh, did my trick of, like, if you buy some Rennies, if you've had too much at Christmas, you buy some Rennies, it makes some more space for some uh, some more food. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not a scientific mm. use for Rennie, but it, I believe it, I that is the I thought they were effervescent, so don't they, like, bubble up rather than... Yeah, if anything, that's going to make room for more It'll food make you more gas. in a really wrong way. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but there was, there was an incident with Christmas pudding, so obviously Laura being a vegan, she bought this her own vegan Christmas pudding, and um, she uh, she was dismayed to realise that the family had ravished her pudding without, without com- <laughs> complaining it was a vegan Christmas pudding. So it was it was spread amongst the rest of the of the summer date, some of the daily household. Um, excluding Laura, excluding Laura, <laughs> didn't even get a look in for her own Christmas pudding. She was like raging. actual Christmas pudding. Yeah, it was a vegan Christmas pudding. Yeah. So not only do they play this ridiculous game, they all eat Christmas pudding. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds completely alien to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was out of my element a bit, and uh, yeah, but yeah, this game was honestly I've never. If anybody understands or knows what this game is called or knows the rules, you can tweet us at Geeky Brummy because I have no idea what I was watching other than watching different people move from chair to chair for an hour and a half. So that sounds like my Christmas being stuck day. in a bus with a faulty heater. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like Christmas Day. <laughs> Laura, do you want to introduce yourself and... And talk about my exciting Christmas yes. that involved us all sitting in the same chairs. Yes. <laughs> Hello, I'm Laura. I uh, run Full to the Brum, which is an award-winning food and drinks blog, uh, which talks about Birmingham. Um, I also go to the cinema a lot. Ryan's looking at me like, you've forgotten something. I I was just going to say, yes, we have two award-winning bloggers who have been on the show, including Mr Dave Massey. Dave Massey has been replaced by Laura. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're, you're award-winning, are you? I'm, I'm award-finalist, I didn't win. You're a nominee. <laughs> you're the guy, no, you're the, guy in the Oscars who has to put on a smiley face yes. when he doesn't win the award. He's the Leonardo DiCaprio round. <laughs> <laughs> He's the mind school sazy of the food blogging world. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I uh, talk about my dinner a lot, and I go to the cinema a lot, and I watch too many films and far too much Netflix. I believe that we share a common interest that I've discussed on this show before. I'm really scared now. <laughs> really quite scared. Uh, it's not moving chairs. That's Is fine. it not? I believe that we both have noticed at Cineworld in Birmingham there happens to be a, a goblin that lives there. He was there when I was there last week He's and I nearly took a photo. There. He's always there. Yeah. Who is he? Do you know anything more than I know? Because he's just hes just there every time I go past. No, and every family. time I think, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, and then I think, no. I was going to ask at Christmas, because I'd had a few drinks before we'd see A Wonderful Life, and Laura turned around and looked at me, and she was like, if you ask that question to any of these member staff, I'm going to be really annoyed at you, because I was very giggly about it as well, so she, I got denied. So to recap, this is a gentleman who pretty much lives at the cinema. I do apologise if you listen and I call you a goblin. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> like, we don't know do you live in the the. the but he bowels. doesn't wear like one of the t-shirts. He's no, just always the there. He's just always at the cinema. The guy thinks he's possibly the projectionist. So I spoke with my boss at work about this and he came out of the food. Because like, he came out of it to Wonderful Life and he went straight upstairs. And we were, me, me, me and Laura were like, what's gone on here? And then I spoke with my boss about it and he was like, 
maybe he's the projectionist because maybe he's on to take the film off the reel. And then all of a sudden, like, something just exploded in my head, like, oh my god, he could be right. That could be the key to this. He could be the projectionist. If the cinema is from 1974, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to say, you do know how cinemas work these days, don't you? Hang on, so the, don't you, the man doesn't change a reel? It's all on no. a hard drive now. They plug the hard drive in oh, and well, okay. it so automatically oh. plays out. So we're back to square one with this Maybe guy he's the IT guy who has to like, schedule when the films play. Looks like an IT guy, to be fair. Let's face it. I mean, but he's always at the bit where they check your tickets. We saw him flirting with someone the other day, we think, by the ice cream counter. <laughs> but do you think that job probably takes half an hour a day for you to go, yeah, that film's on at two, that film's on at four, that film's on at six. I'm done. I'm just going to go and chill out and... Try and hit on girls at the ice cream counter. I mean, I had this theory that he's like some kind of like, like I think he's a well-to-do chap. I feel like he's made some software and he's got a bit of money, so he doesn't need to work. So he just spends his day dusting around the cinema. But I don't think he like he dressed like he doesn't particularly dress like a person who is well-to-do. But I think he's quite comfortable and he has a bit of money, no job, so he's just always at the cinema. Do you think he's trying to like dissuade any gold diggers? That's why he doesn't like dressing sharp suits. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he used to hang out at Maplin and since that went, he's like, what's the next geekyish venue in Rome? But I mean, I mean, like, Pre- presumably that's like a comic book shop or a game no, shop. No, when or... I used to work at Maplin many, many moons ago, we would have customers who would spend two to three hours per day in the store, not buying anything. Were just... they just trying to look for the things that they needed? Well, they did ruffle for the catalogue for about an hour. Then usually bought like one resistor. And it's like, so you spent three hours buying one resistor. Mm. Is this the same guy that does the quiz? Yeah. Okay. But well, we're not going to talk about no, the quiz. No, we don't talk about the quiz. <laughs> we don't talk about the quiz. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> any, anyway, Laura, any amusing Christmas slash winter period anecdotes? Um, my <laughs> uh, All of the chairs stayed in the same place during Christmas. I'm, I'm sad to report. Did they levitate on their own? <laughs> uh, they did, yeah. They were on like a little conveyor belt. Uh, we had we had a dog join us for Christmas, which was our special guest. Um, so we don't play games. Uh, everyone just gets slowly drunk, which in my head is what you do on Christmas. Um, and I hung out with the dog. Um, I mean, that's best ace. choice. Best yeah, choice. I, I think so. It made a lot more sense than that weird game. <laughs> uh, my mum is currently on holiday. I got a message from her to say that they'd gone on a walk um, and that they'd been shouted out by the Egyptian army. Uh, for accidentally walking into an area they shouldn't. How, how did they get to that area they shouldn't? I don't ask questions anymore. But it's just safer. I know it's not like that, but in my head, Egypt is just sand everywhere. So <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> is there a fence on the sand? <laughs> just sand and then another pyramid? Or there's just a line in the sand. gets... Kind of. no, there's, so like, there's, like a, there's like a moat that's been built. <laughs> Do you think there's a guy in the army who's like his entire job is dragging a stick behind him all day to just put that line? Just walking in a big circle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, uh, uh, other side of the line. Oh. We've just alienated our Egyptian listeners. <laughs> I know it doesn't. It's just like, you know, when you have the film head version of any kind mm-hmm. of country, it's like Afghanistan, according to every film, is just like barren desert with some hills. And I can imagine it's quite a diverse... It's like the Star Wars effect. Every planet has only one kind of biome. As, um, as Callan Danes isn't here and we need some resident stupidity, yes. uh, I once thought that... Uh, I was convinced that Egypt was in Europe 
and I tried to convince my friends because I said I swear I'd seen them in the Eurovision Song Contest. So much so I got a I got a globe and was trying to find it, and they were like, "It's there. It's not in Europe." And I had to suck up to the fact that I'm dumb. Did you have a laugh over the Uruguay like in The Simpsons as well? Uruguay. I did Australia entering the Eurovision Song Contest just blow your mind? I mean, yeah, I was that's hoping odd. they would win last year. They were really close to winning, and I'd hope they'd win just for the ridiculousness of having the Eurovision Song Contest hosted in Australia. Yeah, everyone flies to like Sydney. <laughs> Great. I mean, if they if, if they can have Australia, they can have Egypt in it. Just to, just so it looks like I'm not as dumb as I was. It shouldn't just be the Song Contest now. I don't know. I think Eurovision. Doesn't really mean doesn't say it's not European vision. It's just Eurovision. Doesn't mean anything, does it? Really? So it I could be a, anywhere. I had a shock over Christmas. So you know when you watch Eurovision, you get that thing at the beginning where it's dun 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 dun, dun like the Eurovision thing comes like logo. Like Guy, I, were you watching Eurovision over Christmas? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so like you only see that on Eurovision, right? No, you don't. You see it on the New Year's Day concert from Vienna <laughs> as well. That's presented by Eurovision as well, so you see that, hear that same bit of music and see that logo come up on New Year's Day. That that blew my mind, to be honest with you, because I've never seen that outside of May on TV. You learn something every day, and that that was incredible. That was that started 2019 with a bang for me. I'm just dumbfounded by your film and TV choices because you'll watch something like Suspiria. And then watch Andre Ryu in concert with no disconnect in the middle. <laughs> well, then send us a message over the, over the thing again. I went to see It's a Wonderful Life. It's garbage. Yes. It's like, what? Oh, what dear. Guy? How could you say that film? That is it the, was that square is... and rubbish. Yes, that is the pinnacle Christmas film. Are you like, it's a bit old. They should have updated the, the sound effects. <laughs> I was a little bit drunk when I went to see it. And, um, Do you I... want a, did you want a hologrammatic Jimmy Stewart to come out on the screen? <laughs> I did. I, Not I... A, yeah, yeah, the car crash scene wasn't realistic enough. <laughs> CGI I... needs some work. I found myself laughing the loudest in the cinema at a moment when the child keeps pulling at his arm going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And then he goes, excuse me, what? And he kind of goes, I just burped. And I, I burst out laughing and no one else laughed. Like, I thought that was genius. That was the best moment of the whole film. And that is Mr Guy Halford, Laura. <laughs> that was your break. It's quite quiet, actually. Cool. Didn't really get up too much. Cool. How were the chairs? Upside down. Ooh. Mainly because they have, we have metal chairs that have screws in the bottom, so I have to occasionally like tighten them up because they get a bit wobbly. But it was just nice. It was just me and Viv for Christmas dinner. We had a nice little quiet lunch together. Sensible way of doing it. You've um, you've done something bad, Ryan. What have I done bad? Because you you came to mine for New Year's and bought around this like chocolate Christmas tree. Oh yes, I wanted that back. <laughs> oh, you're not getting it back now because Laura's mum's eyeing that up, and there's no way you'll get that back because that. It was a Laura... gift from somebody at work. It is um, it was a Marks and Spencer's glittered chocolate Christmas tree. It looks amazing. So just to clarify, you got this as a secret Santa. Type... No, no, just somebody gave me it as a gift at work. Some... It was my Christmas present just... from a colleague. At work. A colleague at work gave Ryan this gift, yes. who then promptly bought it. To my house well, for New Year to eat, and then I took it to Laura's mom and dad's you house on New Laura. Year's Day for them to eat, and now it's at a house in Solihull. Amazing. I brought it over for us all to share because I thought it was a really nice treat, and it was the end of the festive season, and we'd had this beautiful festive chocolate tree. So now I'm not even going to get a single bit of my own chocolate <laughs> Christmas tree. You best be bringing me some of that back. That's <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, doesn't it? It keeps going everywhere. Well, maybe maybe I'll give it back to you next Christmas. <laughs> Just like Christmas tree on tour. 
It does look amazing. It looks. It is a beautiful chocolate. Can you can you elaborate on the kind of scale of it? Well, it's about. I'd say that good. doesn't work on radio. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's about forty centimeters tall. It looks like a low polygon model from a three D animated game from around the okay. mid nineties. Is this solid chocolate or is it hollow? It's hollow chocolate. Okay. I'm right. unconfirmed. It doesn't sound the box. I think it's hollow. But it's got gold glitter all on the outside and it looks okay. really, really pretty. I mean, I'll put it bluntly. The moment you probably put a bit of it in your mouth, you're going to instantly feel sick. It looks like sickly chocolate. Like, <laughs> it, it, you can, like, even by like looking at it and it's like, gonna even be it, it chocolate, feels so heavy. it's going to be like the gigantic chocolate buttons we're currently eating. Yeah, it just feels like, it, you know, you're going to taste it. You're going to, I'm done. Like, that's, I'm wiped out. That's, it's, it's, that's every meal of today. It's done. like a wafer thin mint. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you're getting it back because Laura's mum uh, keeps looking at it and goes, where did that come from? It came from me. Give it back, man. Give it back. I know you listen. Give it Where back. Where did that come from? Oh, was it right? It's not anymore. Anyway, I think it's time to get on with the show. Britain's last bastion of physical media has gone into administration for the second time in six years. It's His Master's Voice, or HMV, as it's lovingly known. It's quite a um, sad state of affairs, I think. I mean, I think everybody thought after the first administration restructure, it was going to be a fixture on the uh, high street forevermore. Obviously not. I mean, how do we all feel about HMV? Crud. <laughs> you wanted to talk about this feature, so come on. Yeah, I'm miffed, man. I'm miffed. <laughs> like, it's 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 rubbish, isn't it? You're one of the few people I know who. Still actively pursues physical media. That's, that is true. So where else are you going to get it from? This right? Where else is sex shops going to get their knockoff mm-hmm. <laughs> stock oh my from? God, you know where that that's going to have an effect on sex shops, isn't it? Yes. Computer, ex- computer exchange. Do you know what they actually <laughs> refer to themselves as sex? sex There's an advert yes. that calls themselves sex. Yes. As opposed to CEX, which mm-hmm. is what everybody else calls them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. What sex? Yes, their Wi-Fi is called Unprotected Sex if you ever go in the shop. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> the staff Wi-Fi is Protected Sex. Mm. It's got a little padlock next to it. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> None of them are useful questions. Hey, <laughs> Jimmy, so I think, Keith, you're another fan of the physical media. Oh, yeah. I detest uh, downloads uh, with a passion. Um, I don't even think it's downloads now, it's streaming, isn't it? Well, even streaming, because it's just, you've no control over what you can watch and when you can watch it, other than, you're given the illusion, which is quite good, because it feeds into what Netflix has been doing with something else at the moment, but you're given the illusion that you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want, but I struggle sometimes to find a lot of films and a lot of TV shows that I want to watch that just aren't available on on digital services, so I I have to have physical copies, because a lot of stuff just isn't either financially viable for people to stream um but i love i love physical media so i can i can watch what i want when i watch i can take it to other places i can lend it to people um and it's not suddenly removed without notice uh, at any moment nobody comes into my house and goes oh you can't watch uh, kill bill anymore we're taking it away I mean, bbc are one of the worst people for that because they'll show some amazing stuff and then not rebroadcast it for 10 years and it, unless it's on iplayer or dvd or blu-ray you'll mm. never see it again i mean we've just currently had the situation where i think is it act uh warner brothers have just pulled all of the lord of the rings lego yes. games because yeah, the of the licensing issues yeah mm-hmm. i mean and if even if you own a virtual copy unless you activated it 
He's yeah, not got if, it anymore. Yeah, yeah what's the gone. worst thing is is that the the free versions that were just in the humble store. Yeah. Um, if those keys expire yep. before you've activated them, you just can't use them. So. I think it's a, it's a different model for HMV. I mean, I've seen a lot of articles that have gone, oh, no, this will mean there's a, going to be a boon of uh, customers going to independent record stores and stuff like that, which I don't think will happen because independent record stores serves a different customer base to something like HMV. Independent record stores don't necessarily want to sell on the new release material. They're interested no. in selling the second hand. And they're certainly not going to be selling Blu-rays or DVDs or anything like that. And I think we need something like HMV because I, one of my greatest... Uh, the things that I've, I've loved all the time, lunch breaks if I was in the city, is going into HMV or a Virgin or a Tower Records when we had one That's of those. <laughs> and just browsing through hundreds of records and kind of looking at videos and stuff. And I do spend quite a, a substantial amount of money at these I think I stores. spent a good chunk of my childhood in the Virgin Megastore in Birmingham. Because yeah. it was basically three floors of browsing. Yeah, and it's and it's a different thing. It's not like clothes shopping. Where people can say, well, you can just go online. You go to a physical shop to have a mooch and then you buy it online. I genuinely don't think. I was like, you have never been women shopping because that (laughs) is just trying to find things. If anything, I would say it's the other way around because you have no idea how anything fits. So you almost have to go into a shop to try it. Whereas the problem with HMV is if there's something that you want to own. So there's DVDs that I still have because I have exactly that. Hackers, which I absolutely adore, wasn't on Netflix for ages, and I was really pleased that I hadn't given away the DVD, and it appears and reappears and whatnot. But actually, with a lot of clothes things, you have to try them on first, but you get into the situation, particularly with a lot of of clothing things online, where it's free shipping if you spend X amount. So people are spending far too much money that they don't intend to keep to send it back, whereas... Usually, if you want a CD or a DVD or a Blu-ray, you know which one you want. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure they're necessarily comparable. I think the biggest issue for HMV and st- similar kind of stalls like Zavi or Virgin Megastore back in the day is they became a shop front for online shopping because you'd go into HMV, you'd have a browse, and then you'd automatically go straight on online and try and find it cheaper somewhere else. And I think one of the biggest fish issues I had with HMV in its last few years is it's tried to diversify too much to the extent of where you want to go and buy DVDs and Blu-rays and music. That's been shoved to one side to make up space for like a wall of Funko Pops and but, T-shirts and record players mm-hmm. and headphones. But and they've had go- to. They've had to branch into this stuff to keep their heads afloat because they can't survive on on just selling CDs and DVDs because people with Netflix and and Spotify people aren't going to buy that stuff. So they've got to they've got to have something in there that allows people. And they know Funko people are into mm-hmm. that. They've started selling comic books. They sell books and t-shirts. They've got to yeah. finding any kind of media related mm-hmm. product to the pull people in. Gaming section has shrunk further and further back now, yeah. down to like a quarter of an aisle. A oil. big part of that though is the fact that in HMV the games are stupidly expensive. Yeah, As the- compared to anywhere you. Anywhere else you can get them from, except game, which is also stupidly expensive. I do, I do feel that they know that they're not. That's not their target market. Mm-hmm. That people aren't yeah. going to HMV mm-hmm. to get a game, but yeah. they will go to HMV to buy. It, it became DVD. it became the place of presence. That's where I think most of it mm-hmm. is. Do you think that's the problem though? That they actually didn't really know their market because I think there is still a place for physical media. Like, if you look at the kind of rise of vinyl sales, Mm -hmm. people are really keen to buy that or special editions of albums they might love or there are some people that still want to buy 
the blockbusters on DVD or Blu-ray, but actually you could very rarely find anything particularly useful in there, and the Mm. stuff they were selling wasn't great, but actually if you put all the stuff out for Christmas that you know people that aren't necessarily comfortable about buying things online, actually... They didn't really do that. It was like, what no, are they, you... they, the, the biggest reason for this administration is they've had a horrible, horrible Christmas sales period. But so would most places. Like, quite a few mm-hmm. of the shops had said the same. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I feel like they haven't figured out their market and they yeah. haven't just leaned into it. I mean, the whole point of going into a physical media shop like that, where you're going to buy Blu-rays and DVDs, is you probably want advice from the people there. If you don't know what yeah. you're buying, you would go, I like Akira. Recommend me another animation mm-hmm. that's like Akira. And you never got that from HMV, especially real recently. Like, as a comparison, Waterstones, at one point, were going yeah. into, into the red consistently. They got a new CEO, they changed their model. Yeah. And they leaned into the fact that you know, we're appear- appealing to hardcore readers, people who read a lot of books, who love physical books. And and all the recommendations that come at Waterstones are from their staff. They're not from publishers. Yeah. And it's put them in the black because now people know if you go into a Waterstones and you ask for recommendations, you get those recommendations. Yeah. And that's what I've expected from HMV. And that's yeah. probably one of the ways that they could look around at turning mm-hmm. around and saving this is having people with knowledge. Because if you go and work at HMV, you're not just doing it because you want a job. Nine times out of ten, you're going to go one there because you like film or you like yeah. music or you like gaming or something like that. So use your staff's knowledge to try and mm-hmm. enhance your products. Do you think, though, part of the problem is is that actually with books, while self-publishing books have taken up quite a lot of space, actually the physical publishing of books is still relatively contained within a certain kind of group of publishing houses. Yeah. Whereas with the internet and being able to produce your own music... How do you find those specialists? So, like, I still shop in an independent shop that's in Kingston, in Surrey, because actually it's that genre of music that I like, and I'll get those recommendations from them, and I don't have to really worry what they're going to give me. But if I go into HMV, there's almost so many genres and so many bands that can just start and do that online that you kind of wonder if... I think when HMV used to have their big stores, so like when we had the big flagship shop, which yeah. was four floors, you could have your specialists in those mm-hmm. areas because they had like a classical music section, which was cordoned off and, from the rest of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like aisles and aisles. You'd have a big Blu-ray floor, and you'd have probably half the Blu-ray floor would be your modern blockbusters, and half mm-hmm. would be your classics, and you could probably get somebody who knows their film, bit of Criterion Collection kind of selection. They'd know that section. But the, the, one of the main problems with HMV and not being able to recommend stuff is the way things are released, released now with the streaming of media and, uh, let's face it, the predominant music that people like and young people are into who are going to buy music is hip-hop, R&B. That music just drops on the internet. And if it's released, so take an artist like Frank Ocean who released all the biggest albums of 2017, I think it was, or 2016, with Blonde. 2017, he, yeah. Was it 2017? He, that only got released... On, on a vinyl, on a record store day, special edition, you couldn't get it from HMV. So they lose out on a lot of like sales of big, huge albums that don't come out straight away. And when they do finally come out, they're released a few months down the line. But the question is, is that was it released exclusively there because they knew that HMV doesn't really sell stuff like that? 
I think you I know, think it's more. It, down to, it could be one. Of, it's one of those situations uh, where yeah. it all kind of feeds off mm. each other. I think as well, you have that DVD lag mm-hmm. and that music lag because you'll have stuff that is released in the cinema, and it's still six months for most of to get to a DVD or Blu-ray in the UK, mm-hmm. and that is probably having a big impact because if you're watching it, then it's going to be on Sky Store next probably because Sky will. Th- throw money at it and it'll be two three months later and then you're still waiting a couple of months for a blu-ray to come out it's a question of how much you necessarily want to own the item as well so if you're just happy like i'm going to bash it on tv right away now i'm going to put it on streaming and i'm set up for that but then there is like me and keith the whole collecting element of Mm -hmm. things so i went in on monday to buy the latest series of vic and bob's big night out now that is something that i will want to watch for ages you know i love vic and bob i've got all the rest of their dvds yeah i will want to keep that with my collection of their stuff and carry on watching them, but um, I cannot get a copy of that now because they're in administration, so they haven't had it in stock. But if HMV goes out of business, I'm not going to be able to go and wonder and get that on day of release, being a fan of that particular niche item, and that's what's going to suffer. I'll have to go directly to Amazon, who may sell it for a ridiculous price, because I can't think of anywhere else where well, I'll get that, that item. That is another problem, it is everything's going to Amazon. It's not like at the start of the dot-com revolution where you'd have Play or you'd have other stops. I mean, Zavi's still there, but people seem to go straight to Amazon every time nowadays mm-hmm. for stuff. If you And if you lose HMV, that niche item of Vic and Bob's Big Night Out, as obscure as it is, yeah. you know, they won't publish a thing like that on DVD because there won't be a market for it because they know that Limited people will want it, yeah. but with HMV, there's an opportunity to display that item. So someone might walk in and go, oh, I didn't know Vic and Bob were back, you know, here's this. Or I didn't know this series of Doctor Who was out on Blu ray. Yes. I didn't know that this film had been released. So you see it on display, you get appealed by that. Whereas Amazon, you've got to wait for it to come up in your recommended items or have a look for the new releases. And I don't think, I feel like a lot of stuff will stop being released. Yeah. And a lot of collections will be halted or you won't get as much out because of the inability to display things. Now, I'm not going to walk into HMV and expect a big Vic and Bob display, but I expect to walk to the TV section and see it there on the shelf and be catch my eye and be like, oh, But that's again, that, that, that's part of the problem I'm referring to because you'd have a wall of Funko Pops for 15 quid each. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to H&B to buy Funko Pops. I'm going to get a Blu-ray or a DVD or something on music. And I understand they need some ancillary sales, but selling Funko Pops was never going to save that business. But do you think it's also, like, I suppose for me, is I don't necessarily want the physical copies of a lot of things. Yeah. So I go to the cinema to watch most of the films because actually I don't need a copy of it. I want to see it and I want to see it in the best screen I can. I've barely bothered with physical media for music for about 10 years. Yeah. It's all been... MP3 and for like the last few years, or Spotify. Spotify or, yeah. so. But actually, if you could get the recommendations, it's almost almost the kind of anti-Argos, is that if you could go in somewhere and pay for some kind of recommendations as opposed to just walls of DVDs or CDs. Or, or relying on an mm-hmm. algorithm to say, mm-hmm. this, you liked this, therefore you must like this. Yeah, because actually I know what I watch on Netflix is mainly trashy chick flicks but actually what I watch at the cinema is very different Mm -hmm. but it doesn't know that so actually it never recommends me any of the things that I might want to watch on Spotify is a perfect example I have four daily mixes because my music taste changes depending on what day I want to listen to music but if there was a shop I think I've got like six (laughs) (laughs) if there was a shop that allowed you to kind of have that kind of curation or that 
advice that yeah. you didn't necessarily have to use the floor space of to spend all of that spend kind of the big floor space to that would going to have all those stacks but would then allow you if you wanted the physical copy or actually just allowed you to access that in whatever way you could it's that kind of knowledge that is missing i think which is yeah. what you're saying but i think i think as well you you're going to lose for a lot of people i think keith you'll probably agree here that like owning a show on on blu-ray or dvd or a film is like a badge of honor i like that you know like i buy the game of thrones boxes i don't need to buy the game of thrones boxes because they're always this is gone sky atlantic i would have watched it or will i need to sit and watch them all again in my life yes i probably will but it's like i like to have that display like I like this show. Yeah. I want to watch it's, it on this it's, format. It's like, it's like having books on the shelves. Because I've never been into anybody's house and they've gone, oh, have a look at my uh, uh, Netflix list or my streaming media copies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always that thing. You, you kind of display the things that you kind of like. So you, you get a, you get an idea of what somebody's personality is like by the kind of books they've got, the kind like of films me, they like watch. <laughs> and it's well, that kind of thing. You look for the commonality, don't you? It's like, oh, they watch that series. I like that series yeah. too. It's something where we can... We've got some common ground around. I mean, like, what, the Final Fords, I guess? Because, I mean, for me, it's it's sad and, you know, I like going to HMV. Sometime, some, most of the time I'll have an agenda. There'll be something I want. Uh, I know it's always reliable. I'll go in. I'll, I'll, things will catch my eye. I'll, be, I'll, I'll maybe have looked at things that I didn't necessarily think of before and be like, actually, do you know what? I want to mind giving that a go. I'll see something on offer. You know, I just like having a peruse and having some thoughts about some stuff I might want. And to not be able to go into a high street music shop, it's, it's going to be so, seem alien to me that there's not going to be one there. You know, I love going into independent record shops and stuff like that. It's all great, but they don't necessarily, you know, always going to have the things that you want in there. You know, if I want, you know, Bowie albums or I want Stones albums, HMV, Old Reliable, they're going to have them. They're going to have them brand new. They're good price. You know, they're there to be got. And that's going to be a shame. Like I'll have to hunt those down to get them. Uh, but how many people are going to need Bowie albums? Like, everybody needs Bowie but albums. I, I mean, like, <laughs> how often do people buy those? Because they're the kind of things that you only really need to buy once, surely. Mm. I think, on average, something like everybody in America has got at least three copies of Dark Side of the Moon. Mm. So you never know. That's all right. They're buying the ones I've never bought. So that's <laughs> fine. Well, <laughs> oh, okay. Open the final thoughts. That's really scary. You will look at me. Um, I um, wish that I cared more about HMV, but I can't remember the last time I went in one. Yeah, I've got to share that opinion, really. I think they just need to do more to get people in the shop, is my thinking. So, like we were talking about, specialist knowledge, that kind of thing. Just do something different with it to keep it afloat. Yeah, we we need something like HMV, physical media, Mm. in a place where you can buy it. It's not... It's not good for anybody that the only way to buy stuff is through Amazon if you want physical mm-hmm. or you're paying on top of everything else to buy a Netflix or a HBO or whoever it is that controls the media will now get you to buy their streaming service. Mm-hmm. So it'll be Disney next, then it'll be Warner Brothers, then it'll be whatever it is, Virgin doing it now with their taking stuff off their off their services and hiding it behind. You've now got to buy the Stars TV app to get access to all of this stuff. So it's corporations that are going to benefit if we lose something like HMD. I mean, personally for me, I'm in no way surprised. I am a little bit sad. I think a lot of people have fond memories of stores like HMV and Virgin Mega Stores. So that would be usually where you'd go and meet your mates 
Mm. It'd be it'd be usually the focal beat point. It's, oh, we'll go to HMV. You'd have ten fifteen minutes. You'd have a browse. You'd see what's coming out. You'd mm-hmm. maybe buy an album. Maybe buy a DVD. And I think that's kind of lost nowadays. What was else doing their shoulder? Because I weren't doing that. <laughs> and I think it's. It's a very sad thing to do, but as I said, unless there's radical change, I can't mm-hmm. see it surviving very much longer. And as, as we've all said, I think having specialist knowledge or offering something different mm-hmm. is a way that they could look at possibly saving themselves. Is it sad that the only place offering physical media will be Poundland? <laughs> I've actually bought a load of stuff in... I refuse to call it uh, CEX. Um, I've actually bought more in there in the last year. And they're um, probably all the stuff from HMV yeah. that's yeah, going gifted. Yeah, that's going to be a real problem for CEX. Where they're going to get their stock from? We'll use we'll have that for the content next year then. <laughs> January every year, Las Vegas, Nevada. There is a computer electro- um, consumer electronic show. I always call it the computer electronic show. It's the, the, consu- the, sec, the sex show, not the... <laughs> it's the CES show. <laughs> Just make sure known- you go to the right sex show. <laughs> Come on, it's known as CES. 2019, which is Consumer Electronics Show, which is basically where all the big tech companies come together. Look at these shiny things we have made. These are the things you may be able to purchase this year or next year if we ever get round to making them. So I thought I'd pick out some highlights. Uh, one of the big themes of the year was new super duper cars. So we had autonomous vehicles, flying cars, weird cars, walking cars. Oh, pointless. So first off, Lyft had 30 of their demo prototype self driving cars. So these are BMW 540i's that their partner Aptiv has retrofitted into self-driving vehicles. They were testing them out as a show, taking journalists around Las Vegas on a self-driving test. So they're basically trying to what Uber did before the Uber accident happened, trying to mm. trying to bring autonomous vehicles out into the wild. Um, Audi have partnered with Disney for a piece of tech VR called Holoride. So in the back of certain Audi vehicles is going to be a new Disney VR headset, which is going to be Disney and Marvel-themed games that the kids can play in the back. Disney theme park rides, but in the back of a car. Basically, yes. So the first one they did was, uh, it's a game called Rocket's Rescue Run, and as you drive the car, that becomes the track for the game. So if you turn left in the game, the game turns left with you. So it's basically supposed to stop motion sickness and like keep the kids quiet and happy whilst you're driving along on a journey. Uh, the other one is Bell Nexus revealed their air taxi. Bell, not the telephone company in the Canada. Uh, Bell Aircraft, they do quite a lot of helicopters. They've, Stop saying Bell. Uh, they have a <laughs> six-rotored, four-passenger plus pilot vehicle on display. They want to be releasing it in the mid-2020s, and they're looking at partnering Uber to do Uber Air. So you might be seeing those flying around cities in the next ten years. And the other big one that I want to pull out is... <laughs> the big one you, you want to pull down. out? You wrote that down so you could read it out. Definitely at the section, right? The Hyundai electric walking car concept. You might have seen footage of this online. I saw a photo. And yes. It. So Hyundai bought this to CEX uh, to debut their Elevate Car Walking Concept. It's a vehicle CX. with wheels... <laughs> But they're on legs, so the car can lift up into the air and walk a bit like an eighty eighty. What Wars. is the point? What is the point? So it sounds like a really rubbish transformer. So it can 
climb five foot high walls, step over five foot long gaps, and have a track width up to fifteen feet. They're designed this to like be able to climb up mountains for mountain rescue. Uh, for disabled taxi access in New York was one of the possible things where they could just drive it up to the stoop and get the person in the car without having to walk down steps. Uh, and basically, the legs can lift up or be collapsed and power switched off, and it drives like a normal vehicle. It looks a bit like the Johnny Taxi from um, Total Recall. We're never going to see that outside no. of this show, are no, we? No. <laughs> now, the other thing was, another big trend at CES was the AI assistants now being added to everything. Anchor have developed a Google Assistant which plugs into your car charger, so you can have Google Assistant in your car. Because that's not going to be distracting. No, so you can now ask Google questions whilst driving somewhere if it's not already built into Google Auto, which is in quite a lot of vehicles. And there is an Amazon Alexa-powered toilet. Why? I don't know. It's a company called Cola. They have an Alexa-enabled toilet. Oh, was you... this where they said like this was about giving people a more immersive experience? Yes. Um, so there's an Alexa-powered sink, bathroom, cabinet, and bath and shower, but you can also have an Alexa-powered toilet. An immersive experience on the toilet? Yeah. That, was, I just that want, was my reaction to the headline. I just want to yeah. the blue LEDs flash on the round the room. When <laughs> I could see that at some point, if he went into public conveniences, it would be useful for Guy if he gets into a convenience which has run out of toilet paper. So he could go, Amazon, order me some toilet paper for immediate delivery. Right now. Yes. yes. Right, moving on to TVs. LG have shown their rollable folding, rollable folding display. So you might have also seen this online. It's a TV that lives in a box and it pops up when it's ready to be used. It comes out like a roll of carpet. Like a projector. A bit like that, yes, but it's actually an OLED 16x9 panel, which is 65 inches, for those measuring. But it actually also transforms into 21x9 aspect ratio if you just want it as an information display or for playing music. So it tucks away into the box or you can have it out. It seems a bit of a rigmarole to watch telly. Yes. Also, Samsung's The Wall which Guy will be purchasing very soon, probably, because it's a 146-inch modular TV. Brilliant. So it's got micro-LED technology, which is nanometers, uh, sorry, micrometer scale LEDs, smaller than current LEDs, so it serves their own source of light, so it's really small, really intense contrast. And final thing is a bit of computing, though. So AMD revealed the new Radeon 7 graphics card, which is based on the 7 nanometer lithographic process, which is the smallest lithographic process so far. And it's about as comparable to the GeForce RTX 2018. Alienware have done a new gaming laptop called the Area 51M, which is supposed to be the first ever desktop replacement, which has replaceable, upgradable CPU and GPU as well. And the last one. It's the Asus ROG mothership, which is basically a Microsoft Surface Pro, but on the steroids. So it's uh, got an Intel Core i9 8950HK, 32 gig of RAM, and an RTX 2080. And the, from the usual laptop design, it's all the stuff is behind the screen rather than in where the keyboard sits, so you can have a detachable keyboard. But that is the highlights of CES for me. So there's been a few decent things on the small screen over the last month or so, so we thought we'd probably pick them up and have a quick chat about with them. First one, Doctor Who, New Year's Day. Special. Thoughts, people? It was solid. Mm, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and the Doctor Who show? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it was a great script. I'm loving Jodie as the Doctor. Mm-hmm. 
I'm loving the companions. I'm finding the scripts are falling rather flat at the minute. I mean, we might as well just accept that Chibnall can't write. Yeah, it's, and just enjoy it for what it is at the moment. It is a bit hit and miss. Like the whole se- the whole series has been hit and miss. It's been ups and downs. Some have been really great. And yeah. I have noticed that the best ones do seem to be the ones that Chibnall didn't write. Yeah, um, I think he's a much better showrunner than mm. a writer in this situation. And I felt a little bit cheated at the end because you bring back such an iconic villain. Mm just to completely wrap it up in one special and it felt like mm. well here's the thing that everybody's been asking for but let's just bin it and move along straight mm. away. There were, there were lots of dramatic problems with yes. the whole thing. It skipped along at a, a reasonably good pace which I quite liked and they, but it set up lots of things that didn't pay off like the guys that were looking after the separate elements. Yeah, It's like why didn't why weren't they brought back yeah. to yeah. help resolve it? Or what's what's the mythology behind these guys? Like how have they managed to keep somebody I, being at these locations for yeah, five hundred like, years? Why have five minutes of backstory and then bin it? Yeah, because yeah. that that introduction at the beginning where they set this all up was great, and then they went, yeah, we'll just jettison that completely. Yeah, I was, so there's I was, no point. I was really interested in like the Siberia and the the small yeah. Pacific island. I was like, oh, cool, we're going to go to all these places now. No, we're just going to ignore those. Two BBC don't have the budget for any kind <laughs> yeah, of foreign trips. Now I think it'd just be a green screen with Jodie. Oh, it's really hot here, isn't it? In studio in Cardiff. That would be. That would at least be preferable. At least it would be entertaining, and we'd get that story. But you know, I mean, it did end up being a bit of a reflection of the first episode in terms of like we're resurrecting the Daleks in a fashion similar to how we've just resurrected the do- the Doctor, mm. with the whole. You know, we, I can build my uh, new casing out of Sheffield steel and all the rest of it. But I think it was a lot of writing where it was like, what you've just watched, I'm going to then tell you what you've just watched yeah. in this dialogue, which I'm explaining to somebody. My biggest problem with it was the dad returning. He's missed his own mom's funeral, and that is resolved within yeah. 30 seconds. Do you want to buy a microwave? Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of like... That's a critical moment in two of the companions' lives, and you just rinse straight through that, and now he's got a Dalek stuck to his back, so we're going to save him. I think I think that going forward with Doctor Who, we just need to accept that it's going to be patchy. It's not going to make a lot of sense, but if it's just enjoyable for like forty-five minutes, mm. just chill out and watch it. Like mm-hmm. just enjoy Jodie Whittaker, Bradley Walsh. Look, yeah. you know, being great on screen and just accept the plots are going to be a bit flawed, but you know, you always get that with Doctor Who. I just think like it's becoming it's becoming a bit stale. Oh, but oh, did you remember? I have dyspraxia, by the way. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. I just sort of dropped that in there. But I mean, I've got to say that Bradley Walsh has been an absolute revelation in yes. the series. He's he's the way he's played that role has yeah. been fantastic. And when they've reintroduced things that that harken back to his involvement with Grace and the rest of it. It's been brilliant. He has been the standout been a actor. Solid dramatic it's actor. really good. Yeah, I, I did not expect much out of him, yeah. but he's consistently been part one of my favourite parts of the show. I can't wait to buy that Blu-ray for the bloopers, though. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, moving along. We had two big Netflix tentpole things, um, tentpole. lots and lots of advertising, especially the first one we're going to talk about, Bandersnatch. We even had a took a soft news agent set up in the Birmingham City Centre with posters for all the, all the took a so soft games. So many photos of it. Mm-hmm. So many photos. <laughs> so many photos all over social media with yeah. exactly the same photos because the shop was locked. I did like it was the a fact window. <laughs> that it felt to me as if I, I did it, put it on Instagram, 
And then literally two hours later, everybody in Birmingham descended <laughs> on there. So I have a sneaky impression that I might have been one of the first people to spot that. And just went, yeah. oh yeah, that's cute. And then carried on and right, then didn't thought, spend three hours I there. I thought when you posted, it was a picture from your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Keith inside DeVate Smith's browsing the, browsing the magazines. Yeah, I, didn't, I would have liked it if it, was a, if it had been open and yeah. you could have gone in and I could have bought some of the Billy Butcher artwork that yeah. they'd got in there. Or they did what they did in London and had a sign-in. Yeah. With, with some of the people that would that would made more sense and um, i think it was, it was a nice cool. little nod from netflix and it was a nice nice that birmingham actually is recognized as a place that people live and exist what, what about yeah. the actual episode hmm it was rubbish let's face it like in terms of black mirror it was one of the poorest episodes of black mirror i've ever seen there wasn't there wasn't any amazing twist there wasn't any like Draw dropping moment. It was just an infuriating series of choices, which just it, I just didn't like it. I, 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 I like the concept. I didn't. But like you didn't always get choice. Like that was the thing. So um, for me, it felt a little bit like philosophy one hundred and one with the whole free will discussion. Yeah. Um, which, if you studied philosophy, was interesting for all of about thirty seconds. But a lot of the time, so I played it a few times because I was trying desperately to understand why everyone loved it. Uh, like you, it's it's all binary choices, so it's either or basically. But there, were, there was yeah. at least once where I didn't get a choice. I had to click yeah. something, but there wasn't either or. It was just you've got to click this, and I was like, okay, so there is yeah. no choice. Yeah, I think I think the whole thing was supposed to be about predetermination of free will. I mean, I think the whole thing about Colin being Pax is being talked about quite a lot on time, and it's this basically like he is the thief of your destiny. No matter what you do in the game, it's going to be how Colin wants it to play out. Is, is a description. I mean, I think that's with some of the few choices. When you pick your first choice, if you choose the wrong option, according to him, he even comes over and pats you on the back and tells you it's the wrong choice. It's like he's the one playing you playing the game. But um, even though I've, I've not actually seen it yet, I think this is kind of a criticism of pretty much all interactive fiction because I've yeah. played things like Until Dawn and Life is Strange, and those kind of have those same problems. It's just, and I think if it is leaning into the idea of kind of questioning the genre. In its own story, that's an interesting. But it's, it's this choose your own adventure thing yeah. is a misnomer because you're not choosing your own adventure. Yeah. You're no. choosing you're choosing the route that's been predetermined. Yeah. And the so start. you can't. You're not um, really charged yeah. choosing your mm-hmm. own adventure. So well, it's think, the same with yeah. the, the kind of fighting fantasy books and yeah. all the kind of dice books and stuff. I was going to say Mass Effect, exactly the same example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to have this branching storyline, but they all come back together at the end. It's oh, not. But with the choosing your own adventure books, that I'd like to say I read as a kid, but I still I've I've got some. <laughs> Shakespeare choose your own adventure books. It's a long story. Um, but you die and you have to go back to the beginning. Like The thing that irked me the most with Bandersnatch is you went back to the last choice or the mm. choice that it wants yeah. you to. And I'm like, no, you die. You've got to start from the beginning. And to, to be fair, some of those choose your own adventure books, I would just turn back to the last bit. But, yeah. but you, yeah, you would, but you could choose to do that. Yeah. But, but in it, it was like, no, you die. Th- this is a lot more like, because people have been talking about it as if it's like revolutionary, never been done before. It's been doing, the, yeah. YouTube have been doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been happening on U- and YouTube. Like, and I think, like I said, there are games that do the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a tech demo for, for Netflix to go, it, look, we've got, we can do this kind of stuff with the caching technology. But they, ca- they kind, kind of, of already stuff. did it a little bit because I just mentioned Telltale. They actually yeah. put Minecraft Story Mode on Netflix. Yeah, I think it's, as as you've said, I think it was a, it's a diversion from Black Mirror as the main series. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting experiment. Yeah. And I think Netflix just wanted to put it as, put it as something of a, look, we can do this too, yeah. but I don't mm-hmm. think the writing or even the acting is up to the quality of a properly scripted Black Mirror episode. Let's face it, the only good thing about it was School of Comedy, right? And that was it. 
Like he's great, and that's it. I do wonder though if it was a, it was all just a marketing exercise to find out who the heck is choosing Frosties over Sugar Puffs. Yeah. <laughs> so who is doing that? Shall hold we... on, hold on. You don't choose Frosties <laughs> over Sugar Puffs. No, Sugar Puffs all the way. No, always Frosties. <laughs> sugar Puffs. Shall we move along to the other big Netflix um, tentpole thing, which was Bird Box? So this was Sandra. Bullock executively produced. It's based on a novel. The novel is much better than the film. I'm going to get that out there now. But what did we think? I mean, I thought acting was great. Plot was too much of a divergence from the book for myself. Haven't read the book. Can't comment on that. I thought it was uh, diverting enough. Yeah. A couple of hours. I think I... Netflix is probably the place it should live. I wouldn't have watched that in the cinema. I'd have been really annoyed if I'd have watched it at the cinema. I mean, like, Trolls was on BBC One, or yeah. that was on Netflix, so, like, we went, we picked the right decision there in our choose-our-own-adventure. So, but, I mean, it was just, it was, it was all right, do you know what I mean? It was like a Saturday night popcorn flip, wasn't it? Boy, it, girl, boy, girl, that was the best thing about it. It felt a little bit like, okay, we've got A Quiet Place, and that did the thing with sound, and now we're going to do the thing with sight. It, it feels like this is the next generation of horror films, so we've had all the jump scare movies, and now it's uh, let's have a horror film, but there's rules set at the beginning, and we must all follow the rules, and if we don't obey the rules, something bad happens. But I think it's a film that was really patchy, so like the book might go into it, but it didn't really explain anything about where these monsters had come from. That's actually or? the best thing about the book. The book is these presences aren't malevolent, they're not out to actually injure or maim or harm people, they're just there. And it just scrambles people's brains because they can't process it, and that's why they all yeah. I think suicide it... in the film having it as a malevolent present, which is basically a dust devil of leaves coming towards you, really ruined that aspect of the book for me. Well, it was a little bit like there's that conspiracy nut that was going on about whether it was demons, and I thought I was watching an episode of Supernatural. Yeah, and then that didn't happen, and then it was bits of then the people from the the um, mental health hospital. They were involved, and then the ending, which I don't know if we do spoilers, just yeah. felt massively cliched. I was like, I yeah. know where this is going. It was Tom Holland, uh, Tom Holland, turning up. It's like the vicar's here. Yeah. Everything's yeah. going to go wrong. He's a strange little man, isn't he, Tom Holland? Yeah. I do like him as an actor. I think he's, he's I do tremendously like talented. Strange little man. Here but, he is. But I, I think they missed out with the whole stuff about what it was because some of the most interesting stuff was in the first twenty minutes, yeah. where you're seeing people reacting to whatever it is they've seen. I think having it as flashbacks didn't work as well I'd have preferred a linear story because Mm. you knew exactly as soon as they got into this house well they're all dead because that's where we are in the storyline yeah also as well like she was on a boat for age. We were on a boat for our whole film. Yeah, I think it, it suffered the same, in a similar way to what The Quiet Place did. Yeah. Whereas it's quite Spoilers. interesting. But God, people are dummies. They just do all the wrong kind of things. Well, in that these was situations. the whole thing with John Malkovich. Is like I'm an asshole, but I'm a right asshole, and that was the whole plot line throughout that entire. But bit. I, th- I think at least with The Quiet Place. I, I saw that at the cinema. It's the only time I've ever been to the cinema and everybody has been quiet through the entire thing. Like, to the point where people put popcorn down. Um, and it was amazing and it will never happen again. But watching at home, I think you don't have that same kind of no, wow I effect. I don't think you have that tenseness. No, and I think you're right. The kind of linear... The, the lack of kind of linear plot didn't do much. And actually... I thought Sandra Bullock was really good, yep. but she wasn't a particularly likeable character. Oh no, that was the whole point. It was she is, she. I think the cusp of she was on the cusp of mental illness, so it was kind of that thing at the start, which is 
her talking to her sister, it was kind of like, is she but was crazy she just, or is she Was normal? she crazi or was she sad or was that just a breakup because that's why she yeah. was painting everything black? It was a bit like, I don't really know what this is. But at the end, I was like, I'm so not... They never resolve that? No, uh, but I was like, I don't know if I care whether you survive or not. I don't think knew enough about her as a character. That was the thing that, did, that didn't yeah. give... They, yeah, they tried a little bit and then yeah. just went, oh yeah, we can't be bothered to explain her. I think they tried to cram all the backstory into that one conversation between her and Sarah Paulson, it just didn't work. And having the Doctor come back at the end was even more cliche. I've just got to mention that. Because that was just her, oh, where, I don't know. where did she come from? By the time she caresses the sign and I was like, oh. <laughs> Three well, out of five. Yeah. Shall we move on to our last one? The, the treat of Christmas <laughs> this was. I can't, sorry, I was just going to say, I can't believe you're not mentioning you. Everybody yeah. I know is obsessed with you on well, Netflix. Yeah, you can tell us it's a room full of men. It's fine. Well, I think on. I saw a trailer for that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I was watching Dogs, which is just a documentary about amazing dogs on Netflix. Were you not watching Trolls? No, Dogs. Dogs <laughs> Dogs is where it's at on Netflix. There's lots of stories about really interesting dogs. It's quite worth eee. a watch. <laughs> but moving on to our final choice, Bros, yes. after the screaming stops, which was the revelation of the Christmas period. I, I've never seen a show talked about so much online for a BBC4 documentary. Yeah. I, I feel like I've not seen it, but I've seen enough clips of it yeah. that I feel like I've watched it. I think it might be the greatest music film of all time. It genuinely documents the behaviour of two egomanical It felt like a Black Mirror morons. episode. It felt like What If Spinal Tap, but real. So, I take it Craig has no involvement no, in this whatsoever? No. Okay. I don't think Craig was very well towards the end of Bross. That's why he had to leave in the first place. Right. So they don't really cover that. I thought they were going to cover well, that. In so the... they, no, they just wanted to talk about themselves. Yeah. Right, well, let's I, think they, I thought they were going to no, cover no, that. No, no, they the wanted show. to talk about the kings. Don't forget the kings. <laughs> well, I thought they were going to talk about that in the show and then it became about their sister, which again was a very sad story. But it's like, but you're still not mentioning Craig and we're halfway for the show. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to give away too much and it's all pretty much online, but like, I'm sure it's still on iPlayer and this is a must-watch because some of the things that are said and just the, ge- the general behaviour... Matt Goss has turned into David Brent, pretty much. There is a tour around the house and it is the most... The office lift I have Do ever Do you mean seen. the house or H-O-M-E? H-O-M-E. For him, that stands for home. For home. <laughs> I mean, like... Again, we'll keep a brief of this. It's it's genius. I mean, you just said about the kings. So the, he has a song about um, he is my king. Like this is my personal case. He's my king. Is the song? Is it Matt that's talking yes, about? Yes, Matt. So he's like, so he's like the man who collects my rubbish. He is my king. <laughs> um, and then he's and he's like, you know, because he's doing that job because I don't want to do it. It's like brilliant. Everyone's that a king. Is brilliant. I need to watch this. I think they they <laughs> really it, do. They made it brilliant because they introduced us to Luke first, and Luke's been in Hollywood for quite a while now, and he's picked up some Hollywood quirks, and you think, oh, Luke's gone a little bit strange, and then they bring in Matt, <laughs> and you're like, well, Luke's normal. Luke is just slightly weird, but Luke is normal. Luke is completely sane compared to Matt. Do you know what, actually, another, another little highlight, which I don't think a lot of people have clocked up online about this one, is that um, when Matt gets onto the flight, he <laughs> he goes, oh, he goes, um, uh, oh, BA, treat me like royalty. They, they, really, you know, always I'm we're family. Grateful to, we're grateful to the guys on BA for such a great flight. He gets to the door and the moves, like, you're not allowed to get on yet. <laughs> and he just stood there. And it's he like turns so great, but it's genius. It is a full David Brown because he just turns the camera. And just goes, huh. Yeah, I was going to say this sounds 
Exactly like a scene from the office. It is the whole thing. They're talking about the stage design. They're talking about these giant screens going up. And there's part. And Luke says, I think Matt says, look at these screens. They're amazing. It's like pyros are going off. And then Luke goes, no, that's actually going to be pyrotechnics going off. And then he mentions it. And then Luke just gets up and walks out because he's that annoyed. <laughs> that, I mean, that Matt's... <laughs> again, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it as that, really. But I feel like like it does contain the greatest music strop in history that we won't spoil. No. But it's about the most simple thing, but it, it literally escalates into something beyond control. If, if you've liked music in any form during your life, watch this documentary because it shows you the absolute fall of these celebrities when... As it says after the screen. Oh no! Stops. I don't even think you need to qualify with that. Just watch it. It, mm. it is one of the most fascinating ninety minutes of TV that I've watched it will, in quite a long time. It will go down in history. What's going on? It's geeky going on. It's time for your week in geek and what's going on in the local area. To kick us off, Keith's comic book of the week is The Wildstorm issue 19. Beginning the full story arc of The Wildstorm, Jenny Mae Sparks has been around for over a century. She's seen a lot of things, enough bad stuff that it's taken, taken 20 years off to get drunk and now she's back and she has a plan. The problem is other people have plans too and one of them is reducing the Earth's population by about 90%. So art is by John Davis Hunt, one of Keith's favourite artists and it's written by Warren Ellis. Really worth checking out pop down to local comic book shops such as Instagram Comics to pick that one up for Lee's video game of the week he has picked what I'm going to pronounce as Y2K but is also YIIK so it's Yik a postmodern RPG it's an indie role playing game by American developer Axe Studios coming out from Microsoft Windows Mac OS PlayStation 4 PlayStation Vita and Nintendo Switch and it came out on the 17th a 3D Japanese style RPG set in the 1990s based around a mystery in a small town. There are eight characters who are message board friends. They work together to investigate the mystery around a viral video star called Sammy Pack who goes missing in a supernatural event. Sounds really good. Recommend you check that out. Returning to the local area on at the Mockingbird from Wednesday the 25th of January at 3pm is BAFTA nominated The Favourite for 4 95 that's starring Olivia Coleman and Want to Book Ahead for Friday the 22nd of February 8.40pm and Thursday 28th of February at 8.10pm is With Nail and I, the classic movie. On at the Mac this week on the 24th of January at 7pm is Ray and Liz with the director Q&A with Richard Billingham. Really recommend you check that out. We'll be getting more information on that on the show soon. Based around the outskirts of Birmingham and the margins of society, the Billingham family perform extreme rituals and cultural taboos they muddle through life decided by factors beyond their control. Turner Prize nominated Richard Billingham returns to the striking photographs of his family during the Thatcher era of Britain for a film based on his own memories focused on his parents Ray and Liz, their relationship and impact on Richard and his younger brother Jason. At times shocking, laced with an unsettling humour, three episodes unfolding a power evocation experience of growing up in a black country council flat. The screening will be followed by a live on-stage Q&A with director Richard Billingham and professor in film and television at Edge Hill University, Roger Shannon, FRSA. Want to book ahead for at the Electric Cinema for the cinematic time machine is Memento, Christopher Nolan's breakthrough neo-noir which set the standard for fracture narrative steeped in existential dread. Really recommend this one. If you've not seen it before, it is, math- it is really recommended to check it out. On Sunday the 27th of January is Dave Gorman 
Gorman on at the Town Hall and Symphony Hall. The man behind Modern Life is Goodish, as well as Are You Dave Gorman and his Google Whack Adventure. He's back with his brand new live show with great PowerPoint comes great responsibility point. On at the Alexander Free Film Festival tomorrow is Spice World the Movie from 2pm with a sing-along and dress-up. And on at 7pm also is a dog-friendly screening of Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you can find tickets for those at atgtickets.com. That is it for the Week in Geek. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Keith, where can we find you online? On Twitter, it's hardluck underscore hotel, and pretty much everywhere else, you can just remove the underscore. Mr. Lee Price, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the cheap ferret, and you can find me on YouTube at Bob the Pet Ferret. Laura, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Laura Craven, that's C R E A V E N, um, or at Full to the Brum. Guy, where can we find you online? Uh, this page is not accessible, 404. You're not like LA County Court mugshot printers. Yeah. Anyway, you can find me. No, no pithy comeback this week. No. Oh, you can find so Ryan much. awaiting some attention <laughs> at Ryan Parrish on Twitter, and you can find us all at Geeky Rummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at geekybrummy.com and on Yowtobes and at kofi.com forward slash geekybrummy. But for now, that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.